My name is Alex, Alex Mario, yeah, from Key Initiative Eldorite. And uh, can you tell us about this, uh, what we are expecting from today? Yeah, so today we are expecting the ruling on the criminalization clauses on the penal code of our constitution that says uh, same-sex acts between two adults is criminalized to 14 years. Yeah, so today we are here for that and we are hoping that it's going to be good. Yeah. Vi befinner oss i Kenias domstol för konstitutionsfrågor i Nairobi tillsammans med ett hundratal hbtq-aktivister, varav de flesta verkar känna varandra tidigare. Runt omkring oss hälsar folk glatt på varandra. Stämningen är hög och hoppfull eftersom just den här dagen, fredag den 22 februari 2019, kan komma att bli en historisk dag. En sån man vill kunna berätta om för sina barn och barnbarn. När som helst kommer vi nämligen att få veta om domstolen kommer att skrota de gamla brittiska koloniallagarna från 1800-talet som kan ge upp till 14 års fängelse för, citat, könsligt umgänge som går emot naturens lagar eller om man ska översätta det mer bokstavligt, kötslig erfarenhet som strider mot naturen, vad nu det innebär. När som helst kommer vi få veta om Kenias hårda lagar mot homosexualitet strider mot konstitutionen. Den som garanterar alla kenianer rätt till jämställdhet, värdighet och ett privatliv. Plötsligt kommer domaren in och alla i rättssalen tystnar för att höra vad han säger. En kollega har varit sjuk, förklarar han, och en annan har varit på semester. Och så refererar han till den enorma mängd text de varit tvungna att läsa. Efter en stund tystnar han och återigen börjar människorna i rättssalen mumla. En kvinna bredvid oss skrattar uppgivet och skakar på huvudet. Nej, det blev ingen historisk dag den här gången heller. Rätten sköt upp i slutet till i maj med hänvisning till sjukdom, semester och att det varit så mycket dokument att läsa igenom att de inte hunnit. Besvikna och irriterade lämnar folk rättssalen och nu är det istället tröstande kramar och ord som utbyts. We are all humans. Steve Chemion, som rest hit för att närvara ända från USA, är besviken. Yeah, so I came down from the states to come to have this ruling, and uh, unfortunately, we have judges who don't see the importance of the Jacob ruling. The repeal 162 was, even if I was not in the country, I knew it was going to have an impact on the lives of my fellow Kenyan queers. So I'm trying to imagine if the judges are doing this, what what can the public do to us? We are all humans. We deserve the equality that we are suffering. Discrimination, stigma, it's so heartbreaking. But we just have to put up with the situation. But we are trying to wonder, what of the fellow Kenyans who are outside? Can't they be attacked with the people, homophobic attacks? That's what I can say. Med de gällande lagarna kan homosexuella handlingar ge upp till 14 års fängelse. De senaste fem åren har över 500 personer gripits och lagförts. 
Men en eventuell lagändring skulle också innebära en signal till resten av samhället där homofobin är utbredd och ett socialt tabu och det förföljelse och attacker mot homosexuella är vanlig. De hoppfulla men nu aningen besvikna aktivisterna bestämmer sig för att åka vidare till ett av de få öppet hbtq-vänliga ställen som finns i Nairobi, The Alchemist, en slags utomhusbar där de kan samlas i fred och prata igenom dagens trista domstolsbeslut. Att vara öppet gay i Kenya är kontroversiellt. Förföljelsen av hbtq-personer är inte ovanligt, liksom utpressning och misshandel. Men även hbtq-personer som blir av med sina arbeten eller vräks från sina bostäder. Eller så kallade korrigerande våldtäkter av lesbiska. Det finns till och med fall där familjer arrangerat våldtäkt på sin egen dotter för att lära henne att ha sex med män. I'm not open gay. I, my mom Steve Chemion, som hade rest hit ända från USA för att kunna närvara i domstolen den här dagen, berättar att det endast är några få i hans familj som vet om att han är homosexuell och knappt någon av hans vänner. And I play my cards well. <laughs> But I'm planning to come out to her that I'm gay. And how do you think she will react? She's open-minded. I know she'll feel bad at one point, but she just have to accept it. But I mean, with friends and everything, it's like open. Very few of my friends knew that I'm gay. Yeah. So like this community is very important for you. It is very important because when I'm with them, I feel I'm okay. okay. I am Sorry. happy. Do you have like sisters and brothers? I only have one brother. Yeah. Are you close? We're very close. Yeah. Tight. <laughs> Does he know? No. No? Yeah. I lagtexten står egentligen ingenting som förbjuder människor att älska eller leva med någon av samma kön. Det lagen fördömer är, citat, könsligt umgänge som går emot naturens lagar. Något som rättsväsendet vanligtvis tolkar som analsex. Alltså skulle teoretiskt även en heterosexuell man och kvinna som har analsex kunna åtalas, även om det aldrig har hänt och sannolikt inte heller kommer att hända. Tidigare hade polisen rätt att tillkalla läkare som gjorde analtester på de gripna för att hitta bevis. Men sen i mars 2018 är det förbjudet då en appellationsdomstol klassade analtest som tortyr och ett brott mot de utsattas konstitutionella rättigheter. Stivs vän Alex Mario berättar om den incident för två år sedan som ledde fram till förbudet. Två män blev arresterade och utsatta för en kränkande behandling där polis tillkallade läkare som skulle bevisa att de haft analsex. Ett fall som National Gay and Lesbian Human Rights Commission, en hbtq-organisation med jurister, drog vidare till högsta domstolen och vann. Ja, yeah, like two years ago så so två two gay men were taken to the police station and they were accused of having analsex. So there was no way the, the, the police could prove that they had anal sex. So they were forcefully taken to the medical doctor to prove that they had sex. So they were stripped naked and then things were inserted in their private parts to prove that they had anal sex. And then, so that was, uh, they were infringing on, the, on their rights. So we went to court. And then after a year of going to court, and co- going to court the judge said that was unconstitutional. 
because they were not allowed to do that. Because there's no way you can take two adults and they are of age and you forcefully take them to a doctor so that the doctor can prove they had sex. Yeah. So it was a victory to us. Yeah. Yeah, we won good. that case. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, if you come to the canon knowledge, every other citizen is doing it. Hmm? People are doing it, people are, are giving blowjobs. Yeah. So if if you were to criminalize that and to take people to jail, you will take everyone. Even the heterosexual community. Yeah. It is it is for everyone. Canon knowledge is for everyone because it says any sexual activity that does not involve a penis penetrating a vagina. Mm. You know, at the at the moment, uh, people are okay with us not talking about our issues. They are okay with that. But when we talk about our issues, now they they protest that. Mm. Yeah, but people are okay with us. They say it's an issue to us. But when you talk about it, it becomes an issue. Så länge vi är tysta och inte pratar om våra frågor så är folk okej okay med oss, säger Alex. Men så fort vi börjar ta upp våra frågor så protesterar de. Steve som står bredvid läser upp ett sms han just fått från en vän som är besviken över dagens domslut. Somebody has texted me on the reaction about the ripple judgment which has just been postponed. So his message is, hey Steve, I feel today's judgment has just brought a life to an end to me. I knew today was the day that I was going to come out to the rest of the world and he did and he even written down a note of what I'll post on my social media status and my family. My dear, Kenya is evil, judges are evil, our leaders are evil. The life is the life has come to an end to me. But for the 90 days, I, I, I wouldn't stop counting, but I feel life has come to an end without no meaning. When will I ever be free from slavery and from the from the Iraq from the array from the from the Eric Alis of the colonial era constitutional court that's a very sad message yeah. you need to reach out to him yeah. you need to reach out to him because such a person can end up committing suicide commit yeah committing suicide. Suicide. suicide yeah because now he's depressed he he's feels depressed. like like the world has come to an end yeah. to him so you need to even call him talk to oh, him yeah. tell him it is okay what are you going to answer him the world has come to an end to all of us but life has to continue Yeah, keep up the spirit. One day, equality will be given to all. Yeah, you should even tell him, let's meet when I'm back. We can meet for coffee or a drink as we talk. Yeah. Anti-gay laws in Africa have been in the headlines a lot lately. Until very recently, Kenya had a bill before Parliament proposing foreigners caught committing homosexual acts be stoned to death while Kenyans would get a life sentence. Homosexuals should be put to death. And in 2011, Ugandan activist David Cato was beaten and murdered after a newspaper published his name and showed a photo identifying him as gay and calling for his execution. The point is what they do in our country. The crackdowns and prejudice are increasing, but so is resistance. Även om det fortfarande är tabu och farligt att vara öppet homosexuell i Kenya så har HBTQ-rörelsen och dess aktivister växt och blivit allt mer synliga och högljudda de senaste åren. Uh, my name is Jim Chuchu from The Nest. My name is Jackie Gomi from The Nest. 
Jim Chuchu och Njoki Gomi är båda medlemmar i konstnärskollektivet The Nest som ligger bakom den uppmärksammade, prisbelönta och numera även förbjudna filmen Story of Our Lives som bygger på hundratals berättelser som de samlade in under två år från människor runt om i Kenya. Um, the film actually was was part of a research project we were doing that was called Stories of Our Lives, and that we began in 2013, uh, around the time when Uganda had introduced this uh, anti-gay bill, and that conversation was spilling over into Kenya, uh, because then the Kenyan politicians were like, you know, why don't why aren't we? If Uganda can do this, why can't we? Um, and so for us, that was a difficult period because as queer people, we were starting to wonder, okay. What happens if Kenya goes that route? Uh, can we stay here? It was a weird time. Uh, like, remember, remember, we were googling houses yeah. in in different in different yeah. countries, just in case we had to pick up everything and go. Yeah. yeah. När Uganda kom med sina antigaylagar runt 2013 blev många av oss oroliga för hur det skulle påverka situationen för oss homosexuella här i Kenya, säger Jim Chuchu. Minns du att vi till och med började googla hus i andra länder ifall vi skulle bli tvungna att fly, säger Njoki Gomi. One of the, the key foundations of that argument uh, for the anti-gay bill was that it's a western thing and that Africans have no history of this thing and we and we know that that's not true but there wasn't really any body of evidence to support the claim that Af- that queer queerness you know exists and has existed and 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 it exists in its own way yeah. in a way that is really not touched by the west or informed by the west yeah. so we decided that it would be interesting to to go out out of Nairobi and 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 just record stories of people interview queer people yeah queer people um self identified yeah and even sometimes not uh, well like like in the sense that in the sense that if we began a conversation with somebody who um was was having non heterosexual sex they were not necessarily identifying as queer yeah. but they were telling us that their sexual interactions were queer ett av de vanligaste argumenten från anti-gay-lobbyn har alltid varit att homosexualitet är ett västerländskt påfund och att afrikaner inte har någon historia av homosexualitet. Vi vet såklart att det inte är sant, men det fanns å andra sidan inte några tydliga bevis eller berättelser som kunde stödja det faktum att queerness alltid existerat på sitt eget sätt i Afrika. Så vi bestämde oss för att åka runt i Kenya och samla in berättelser från queera människor. And we asked them such human questions about like when was the first time you knew you were queer? Uh, what was your first kiss like? Um, it was like human. It was not you know how old are you? How you know which is a, the kind of questioning that a lot of queer research in Africa does because it comes from a health perspective mm. or from a, a political kind of anthropological. Yeah. And so we came back to Nairobi with this huge archive and we said, okay, uh, some of the stories were like. Like they were like books, or like novels, or like films, and so we said, how are we gonna take these stories back to the community? Uh, it's fine, we can write a book, but some of these stories, like they are so, like you can't imagine that other queer people have gone through such things, and they are not just bad things, also amazing things. So we decided, okay, let's shoot uh, some short videos that kind of take a story and bring it to life. We asked them questions when they understood that they were queer. När de haft sin första kyss, den sortens mänskliga frågor som inte ställda utifrån hälsoperspektiv. Så vi kom tillbaka till Nairobi med ett gigantiskt arkiv av berättelser och funderade över hur vi skulle kunna dela med oss av dem till communityn. 
En del av historierna var så fantastiska så vi bestämde oss för att prova att göra en del av dem till film. För if this film was gonna show in a public like global screening, it meant that then we had to come out as an institution and say we are the ones who've done this film. Uh, it was no longer something that we could just keep in the queer community, and it also meant that individually we all had to kind of put our personal stuff in order, which is like go home and come out. Because if you don't come out, then the press are gonna make gonna out you. If you are a straight member of the collective, then you have to go home and still explain that you work with this organization and that you not queer but you know the whole conversation um so i remember i think i did it i went home and came out like i think three days yeah. before we left for Toronto. <laughs> it was crazy did. uh and all of us kind of went home and i had. i wasn't able to come out then because i didn't know that i wasn't straight yeah. but i knew that i couldn't say that i it was so confusing how did they react what happened Uh, I think the two of us have had the most difficult um, family relationships. The two of us, I think our families have been really structured in their way that they want to dismantle the queerness yes. and take it back or deny it or whatever. Uh, so that's still ongoing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, one, that one's not that going one's to not gonna no. resolve. What, what did they say when you came home? Uh, what haven't they said no, yeah that's actually really, they they really have said everything and 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 i think that's really shifted my relationship with my family because then um at some point i had to 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 be much stronger and refuse some of the questioning and some of the intrusion which has helped me i don't know if it has helped my family because then it has created even more barriers between me and them yeah and for me i think bringing a partner home No, never. Like it, I think it should not even be like a named partner. Like I no. think you could go home yeah. with somebody, but then yeah, like yeah. you could not introduce them as a partner. No. no. I think right now they'd be very terrified if they ever saw me even standing next to a man that yes. really like oh. they'd be terrified. Yeah. yeah. När vi väl bestämt oss för att göra en film av berättelserna blev alla vi i The Nest tvungna att komma ut inför våra familjer och vänner säger Jim. Jag åkte hem och kom ut tre dagar innan vi åkte med filmen till Toronto Filmfestival, säger Jim. Jag kunde inte komma ut vid den tidpunkten för jag hade inte insett att jag inte var straight då, säger Njocki. Att komma ut har varit svårt, säger både Jim och Njocki. Att komma hem med en partner skulle fortfarande vara omöjligt, säger Jim. Så so, vad hände när projektet went public? Hur did the public uh, react? Well, I guess luckily the, we were we had to be in Toronto to, to, to do the public release. So that did give us some distance from Kenya in that in that space of what five or six, five, ten days. Yeah. Um, but but um, so we went and presented the film and it was taken really well by the public and uh, there was a lot of interviews because then the other thing we learned is that then this story of Africa Africans doing a queer thing and being brave is an archetype that fits very well into like reporting uh, but that but that that's a story that's already been told many times and so we were we were like a repetition of that story but we're resisting being framed that being framed in the same way because a lot of the questioning was now that you've done this thing will you ever go back home and so we saw that the understanding of Uh, when an African does this brave thing, he has to escape to a safe place, which is usually in Europe, America. And so the idea of us going back home was not really... They couldn't really work through that. Som Tuva var vi i Toronto när filmen visades offentligt första gången. Så det gav oss en viss välbehövlig distans till Kenya. Och publiken tog emot väldigt bra. 
Men vi insåg också genom alla intervjuer att vi blev framställda aningen stereotypt som modiga för att vi vågade prata om homosexualitet. Många frågor handlade om huruvida vi skulle våga åka tillbaka till Kenya nu när vi gjort filmen. So there's a lot of things that we learned about the press and how they they, they, frame, they frame African Africa. stories and and how it's convenient for them to frame Africa for their audiences to feel better about their own lives. Yeah. Um, uh, because again, uh, the other thing was that a lot of people would say would were really interested in the violence mm. because uh, two of the three films yes. in the in the in the film they touch on the violence and we met a lot of people who were really interested in those two in particular and. And, kind of a and confirmation bias. And they're also framing the idea as, as Africa being very violent towards. And we're always saying, but right now, if I open the papers in America, like these are trans, the trans in women are being killed yeah. in New York and all these places. Why, in why, Sweden, why do you feel like the violence is a, a different kind or mm. like worse in one place than the other? So I think for us, not only was that, uh, it was the first time that our work became deeply political. And that we learned that we have to take responsibility for our work, uh, what our work does in people's lives. But it was also our first time to to engage with the world as African creators and to see how there are many problematics there. We learned us much about media through interviews, bland annat att det verkade vara bekvämt för journalister att ha en bild av oss som offer för att de själva skulle må bättre. De var särskilt intresserade av våldet i våra filmer och hade lättare för att se det än de andra historierna. Men våldet mot transpersoner eller homosexuella finns ju även i väst. Det är bara att slå upp en dagstidning så kommer du hitta notiser om våld mot transpersoner eller homosexuella. När de kom tillbaka till Kenya hamnade filmen hos den statliga censuren som sa att om den skulle bli godkänd var vi tvungna att klippa bort en massa scener och särskilt slutet eftersom det var lyckligt. Ingen dog ju, säger Njocki. Och det kan ju låta galet, men om du tittar på många filmer från Hollywood som handlar om queerness så finns där ofta olycka, våld och död. Kolla bara senaste filmen om Freddie Mercury. Basically, they, they looked at the film and usually they classified within a day because it's just a group of people who just kind of sit and watch thousands of films and then they called us and said so we watched this thing um, now if if you want to screen then you have to cut this part this part this part this part this part mm-hmm. uh, you can't end like that you know you can't have a happy ending or, uh. what was it that they wanted to you to cut out what kind of things I, mean, I remember the one they really wanted us to cut was the end because the end kind of affirms the queerness and says it's fine like love is love so we're like no you can't you can't say that so. also there was nobody dying in our film like 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 it would be fine if you had yeah. a queer person who yeah. pays for being queer yeah and you know what like that might sound funny but if you look at a lot of films out of hollywood yeah that involve queerness yes. there is death Yes. And there is repercussion for and profound tragedy. There's, there's yeah. yes, even uh, even um, whatever this film about Freddie Mercury that came Bohemian out just yesterday yeah, yeah, yeah. was yeah. profoundly so, like, straight. Like, so you might think that it's like a thing that's like ridiculous, but like if you look at America and the way that queer stories are told, people, always people involves are, people are, and even though people say that yes, queer people have much more power in Hollywood these days, that they are the ones who are producers, they are making the decisions. At the end of the day, the films that are coming out still. Um, make queer people feel pay for being queer. Yeah. That so, there has to be a, there has to be a tragedy for the queerness yeah. to so be public. The problem with this film was that it didn't do that. No. So we said no. If we cut all these things out, like that's first of all, that's going to be half a film. 
and like it's not it's the thing we made, floor, right? Like, yeah. And so they said, okay, if you refuse that, then we're going to restrict the film. And that will mean that you can't show it, blah, 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 blah. So you can't sell okay. it. And you can't show it in public or in private. Så visa nej. Om vi klipper bort allt det här försvinner ju mer än halva filmen. Då sa de att om ni vägrar det måste vi förbjuda er film. Vilket innebär att vi aldrig kan visa den vare sig offentligt eller privat. Så den nästa dag kom de polismen och de sa att vi är looking for the producer of this film. And the producer of this film was like one of our youngest employees. She was so young. And so we're like, like no, we can't send her. So George volunteered to be arrested instead of her. And the, uh, what they were arresting us for was for shooting that film without a license. So in Kenya, when before you shoot a film, you get a license, and after you shoot a film, you get a classification. So we had not gotten a license yeah. because. And then they released him later that day yeah. on bail? Yeah, after our lawyer went and had the yeah. conversation. Uh, they released him on bail and then there was, there was actually a charge for shooting a film without a license. Nästa dag kom de med polisen och frågade vem som varit producent för filmen. Men det var en av våra yngsta medarbetare så George anmälde sig frivilligt och fick tillbringa ett dygn i arresten. Och det de arresterade oss för var att vi hade filmat utan en licens. De släppte honom dagen på. And that's that story. So then most of the narratives then ended up in the book. And the book became very important because the book is like wild. The book is like like the so you, film. you made a book instead. Yeah. Well, well as, the well book as, as well as the plan, but now the book became much more important because it was the only thing that Kenyans would be able to interact with. Yeah. And so the the book is crazy. The book is like like the film is only like five percent of what the book is. The book is dangerous. It is like it has hey that book yeah like <laughs> like, like they, they can't ban a book or i mean it, they don't seem to they don't to, they don't seem to care about like it's maybe it's this thing about that people say that kenyans don't read yeah. this whole this. saying that if you want to hide the thing from a kenyan put it inside a book because kenyans <laughs> so, but then and, I get, and, and it's true filmen har ännu inte visats i kenya så det vi gjorde var att göra en bok av alla berättelserna och den blev viktig för där fick alla berättelserna plats. Och boken är vild. Filmen är bara 5% av boken. Och de kan inte förbjuda en bok, frågar jag. Nej, det finns ett ordspråk som säger att om du vill gömma något för en kenyan så skriv det i en bok, säger Jim. Och skrattar. Nej, än så länge har Stories of Our Lives inte visats i Kenya. Däremot har den visats på en rad filmfestivaler världen över och även prisbelönats. Bland annat 2015 då den fick pris på Teddy Awards, Berlins filmfestivals officiella queerpris. The jury award goes to Stories of Our Lives. And who's the director? It's directed by Jimmy Chuchu. Jimmy Chuchu, welcome on stage. Um, I guess I should say thank you to, first of all, to all the people who gave us the stories. So I want to say thanks to them. I'm um, I'm sad that they don't get to see the film. Ah, uh, God. Um, I want to say thank you to the Nest Collective, who we made the film together with. Uh, they're my family. Um, um, and to uh, Njoki and Steven and everyone at the Big World Cinema. Thank you all very much for having us here.
I fredags den 24 maj, någon vecka innan det här programmet blev klart, meddelade Kenias domstol för konstitutionsfrågor att homosexualitet kommer fortsätta vara olagligt i Kenya. Det betyder att Steve, Alex, Jim och Njocki som ni hört i det här programmet tillsammans med alla andra homosexuella i Kenya riskerar upp till 14 års fängelse på grund av sin kärlek. Det gör att homosexualitet är olagligt i 36 av 54 afrikanska länder. Du har lyssnat på RFSU-dokumentär med mig Maria Sveland och det här var del 3 av 4 i en serie om sexuella och reproduktiva rättigheter i Kenya. Tekniker var Christer Orteg från produktionsbolaget Filt Hinterland. Tycker du precis som oss att de sexuella och reproduktiva rättigheterna är livsviktiga? Att alla människor har rätt att vara, välja, njuta och att dessa frågor ständigt behöver lyftas? I så fall får du gärna hjälpa oss att sprida vår podd.